Sometime in October 2008, 22-year-old United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Stacy Annie Dryden and an unnamed male sailor had an alleged impromptu grappling match, which resulted in Annie sustaining a head injury. Later that evening, she told her friends she felt as if she had a knot in the back of her head. The next day, Annie was found dead in a portable latrine aboard Al-Assad Air Base in the Anbar province of western Iraq. Months later, different details began trickling out into the open as Annie's family pushed for answers, painting a much-changed picture as to what occurred that day in October 2008. One thing is clear, however. The events in question and the cause of her death depends on who you ask. Let's break down the details. Secrets of the Trees presents The Tragic Death of United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Stacy Annie Dryden. Annie's death is just one of the many non-combat-related deaths I have been actively researching. As we've seen over the last few years, crimes that occur even on U.S. soil take time to investigate, prosecute, and may take even longer to close with a conviction, if that. Throw a crime into the tension-filled, chaotic lands of a war zone, and you have the perfect recipe for truth-trickling, cover-ups, and a grueling search for closure, which may never come. It doesn't even have to be a war zone. Just having a crime take place in a whole other country is quite enough. We discuss it in the case of Amanda Gonzalez, the 19-year-old private first class who was four months pregnant at the time of her death and was stationed in Germany. Twenty years have passed since her death, and with each passing day, the outlook on her case being resolved appears bleak. Today, we will be talking about yet another young service member who passed away well before her time, and that is Stacy Annie Dryden. Annie, a North Canton, Ohio native, graduated Glen Oak High School in 2004 and felt the calling of the United States Marine Corps. With a slogan of the few, the proud, the challenge of the Marine Corps was one that Annie was prepared to embark on, and that she did, earning her EGA after enlisting in March 2007. The EGA, or Eagle Globe and Anchor, is the Marine Corps emblem. An all-black matte EGA is given to new Marines upon completion of the grueling crucible, commemorating their transition from recruit to Marine. Stationed in Camp Pendleton as part of the 1st Supply Battalion, 1st Marine Logistics Group, Annie deployed to Iraq as a packaging specialist for two months before her abrupt death. In high school, she participated in cheerleading and was a member of her high school choir, using her talent for singing to cheer up the members of her unit while deployed in Iraq. She was nicknamed Fiery Angel because according to one of her cousins, she was so sweet-looking, and she was a sweet girl, unless you got on her bad side. Two months into her tour in Iraq, Annie allegedly wanted to try out some new grappling moves, according to the unnamed sailor who was also stationed at Al-Assad. They grappled, she hit her head somehow, they both went their separate ways, and then Annie was found dead in a portable latrine the next day. And that was a story provided to Annie's family for many months. However, based on how Annie's case was handled by the military, members of the family felt uneased with the chain of events. Annie's divorced parents, Thea and Scott Dryden, were informed that the wrestling match was friendly and the injury was purely accidental. According to Thea, Annie's mother, Annie had told her a similar story when they had spoken on the phone the night preceding her death. NCIS, or the U.S. Naval Criminal Investigative Service, which is the federal law enforcement agency uniquely responsible for investigating felony crime, preventing terrorism, and protecting secrets for the Navy and Marine Corps, assured the Drydens that a full investigation was underway. Then, eight months later, Annie's death was ruled a homicide. She had apparently hit her head on concrete, according to several eyewitness accounts. In an interview with The Repository, which is a local newspaper for Canton, Ohio, Thea said that she essentially made peace with the findings of the investigation and said that she knows there was no malicious intent. She was quoted as saying, We, the family, are in agreement that no charges be brought against the young man involved and that he should feel no guilt. We ask that we be permitted to mourn in peace and private and that we not be contacted. 
Annie's father, Scott, however, recalls Thea visiting him sometime in July 2009, demanding his silence. According to him, he suspected Marine Corps officials were pressuring her not to speak out as he too had been cautioned against speaking to the media by casualty assistance officers. Casualty assistance call officers are the individuals who notify next of kin when the service member has passed, is MIA, and assists in funeral arrangements, among other related tasks. Scott was doubtful of the Marine Corps' explanation of events, stating that he doesn't believe Annie would have been playfully wrestling with a sailor who outweighed her by 100 pounds. In his search for answers, Scott contacted NCIS and a female investigator provided him with a completely different story than he had been originally told. Apparently, on the day before Annie passed, Annie was spending her downtime with other Marines and sailors when one sailor in particular yelled, Marines ain't shit towards them. Pissed, Annie retorted, I'm going to show you what a Marine is, and knocked the sailor to the ground. Per the NCIS investigator, the sailor stood up, grabbed Annie, and then body slammed her into the ground, which was concrete. Bystanders broke up the fight, Annie did not seek medical attention, and within a few hours she was complaining of a headache. Then, the next day, she was found in the portable latrine, dead. Scott was in complete shock because the events he had been told previously, and now presently, were radically different. The Cleveland Scene, which is pretty much the only publication I found that had a comprehensive article on Annie's death, emailed NCIS spokesperson Ed Buse when they were working on their story. In his first email, he stated that the wrestling was mutual. When asked a week later about the female NCIS investigator who provided a different chain of events to Scott, Buse stated that the grappling was indeed not mutual and was initiated by Annie in the heat of the moment after the sailor made his comment. Buse specified that the ruling of homicide means only that Dryden died at the hands of another person. It does not connote any criminal activity. The female investigator has not been identified and was not identified by Buse. Furthermore, Buse said that when a crime is committed on a military base, the base command makes the final call on whether charges will be filed. In Annie's case, the base's commanding leadership was the Marines. It doesn't appear that the unnamed sailor faced any charges, as Scott was understandably upset that there was no consequence for him. The sailor and the eyewitnesses had their names redacted from the investigation report. Scott asked if shouldn't there have been at least a manslaughter charge. When we analyze cases, I do try to stay objective and do try to prevent my thoughts from leaking in and influencing viewpoints. It's not lost on me that Annie rushed the unnamed sailor first. It's also not lost on me that excessive use of force and self-defense exists. We've lightly talked about the UCMJ, or the Uniform Code of Military Justice, on this podcast, and now we will be briefly discussing Article 119 under the UCMJ, which details manslaughter. The language detailing voluntary manslaughter and involuntary manslaughter are pretty similar except for one portion, where for voluntary, it states that at the time of the killing, the accused had the intent to kill or inflict great bodily harm upon the person killed. Involuntary manslaughter states that this act or omission of the accused constituted culpable negligence or occurred while the accused was perpetrating or attempting to perpetrate an offense directly affecting the person, other than burglary, sodomy, rape, robbery, or aggravated arson. To make these explanations easier to digest, according to hg.org, which is a law information site replete with legal articles and guides. If a defendant drove his or her car while under the influence of drugs or alcohol and killed someone unintentionally, he or she could be charged with involuntary manslaughter because a death was caused by his or her recklessness, even though there was no intent to kill. 
Whereas, if a husband catches his wife in the act of adultery and kills her and or her lover on the spot, he may be charged with voluntary manslaughter rather than murder because he was provoked by the shock of the affair and killed in a fit of rage without premeditation. If we reflect on Buse's comment that the ruling of homicide does not connote any criminal activity, does this mean in the Marine Corps' own investigation and findings they ruled this as a self-defense, hence the lack of charges? I also wonder what prompted the sailor to say, Marines ain't shit. It makes you also wonder if there had been tension brewing for a while between Annie and this unnamed male. Now, let's circle back to that July 2009 repository article. It appears that the reporter for the article was told by Thea's side of the family and the Marine Corps casualty officers to refrain from speaking to Scott as he did not have a close relationship with Annie. Scott dismissed these claims, stating Annie and him spoke often, even as recently as the day before the fight. Scott has a different belief, however, and that is that Annie may have been a victim of MST, or military sexual trauma, and the fight with the sailor is simply a cover-up. Due to the way that Annie's body was found in the portable latrine, an MST advocate reached out to Scott. There is one person's name who has popped up several times across different female military cases that I've read, and that is retired U.S. Army Colonel Anne Wright. Colonel Wright, who publicly resigned her State Department job in protest of the 2003 Iraq invasion, now advocates heavily for investigations into sexual assault and suspicious suicides and deaths in the military. According to the Cleveland scene, Colonel Wright claims that many American female service members in war zones fear the portable latrines, which are recognized as rape traps. She was quoted as saying, Women are supposed to go to the latrines only with a buddy, as so many rapes have occurred near the porta-potties. That's why many women carry knives in Iraq and Afghanistan for protection. As the area is surrounded with violence and confusion, based on the colonel's knowledge, predators usually just follow up a rape with intimidation. They'll say, you're going to be dead by tomorrow, raping you is just the cost of war, we'll just chalk up your death to unsafe security. And she believes this may be what happened to Annie Dryden. I tried to research if any outlets, military or civilian, had reported any kind of evidence of MSC, but came up short. After Annie's passing, she was honored by the state of Ohio. In 2016, the Ohio General Assembly also designated a stretch of U.S. Route 62 in Canton as the United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Stacy Annie Dryden Memorial Highway. A few years later, in October 2019, U.S. Representative Anthony Gonzalez, whose district includes Annie's hometown of North Canton, introduced legislation to name the new North Canton Post Office after Annie. His office stated that it is one of six post offices nationwide named after a female service member.